From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 186 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I remain a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, we're beginning our quote-unquote normal format for the podcast now, now that we're moving from summer to autumn and officially, eventually, into the fall season. After all, this weekend is the first weekend with football. A week, a week or so, this podcast celebrated its five-year birthday or anniversary. It's hard to believe that it's been going on for so long. I ask myself at times if I should continue uh, to podcast or to do this particular podcast. And so far, the answer from God appears to be yes. So let's begin another year together trying to live the truth that is Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our God who gave himself up for our sins and offers us his mercy and his love. In episode 186 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we will first discuss our saint of the week, St. Peter Claver, who devoted himself to serving those bound by the scourge of slavery. We will hear a homily for the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, as Jesus tells us to renounce our possessions. In this segment, Catholics in the News, we will hear about a bishop who uses social media to spread the gospel. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will learn about a new book highlighting the collaboration between a pope and a president. In this segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will attempt to understand the comments of a U.S. representative. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we'll hear the truth from Pope Francis about humility in the media. All of this, plus music from Joseph and Sarah Tracy, who sing, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. This and more on episode 186 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week A native of Spain, young Jesuit Peter Claver, left his homeland forever in 1610 to become a missionary in the colonies of the New World. He sailed into Cartagena, a rich port city that was washed by the Caribbean. He was ordained there in 1615. By the time the slave trade had been established in the Americas for nearly a hundred years, and Cartagena was a chief center for it, 10,000 slaves poured into the port city each year after crossing the Atlantic from West Africa under conditions so foul and inhuman that an estimated one-third of the passengers died in transit. Although the practice of slave trading was condemned by Pope Paul III and later labeled supreme villainy by Pope Pius IX, it continued to flourish. Peter Claver's predecessor had devoted himself to the service of the slaves for 40 years before Claver arrived to continue the work, declaring himself the slave of the Negroes forever. As soon as the slave ship entered the port, Peter Claver moved into the infested hold to minister to the ill-treated and exhausted passengers. After the slaves were herded out of the ship like chained animals and shut up in nearby yards to be 
gazed at by crowds. Claver plunged in among them with medicines, food, bread, brandy, lemons, and tobacco. With the help of interpreters, he gave basic instructions and ensured his brothers and sisters of the human dignity and of God's love. During the 40 years of his ministry, Claver instructed and baptized an estimated 300,000 slaves. Father Claver's apostolate extended beyond his care for slaves. He became a moral force indeed, the apostle of Cartagena. He preached in the city square, gave missions to sailors and traders, as well as country missions, during which he avoided when possible the hospitality of the planters and owners lodged in the slave quarters and lived in the slave quarters instead. After four years of sickness, which forced the saint to remain inactive and largely neglected, Claver died on September 8, 1654. The magistrates who had previously frowned at his solicitude ordered that he should be buried at public expense and with great pomp. Peter Claver was canonized in 1888, and Pope Leo XIII declared him the worldwide patron of missionary work among black slaves. His feast day is September 9th. St. Peter Claver, who devoted his life to serving the poorest of the poor, the slaves, our saint of the week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, as we hear Jesus' call to renounce our possessions. Once upon a time, there was a man who was very wise, and he was the head of the local administration of a small village. Everyone respected him and came to him for advice. His son, however, was a very lazy person and wasted his time sleeping and spending time with his friends. Years passed, and the young, the young man was no longer young. And as the wise man grew older, he began to worry about his son. And he recognized the need to give something to his son, so his son would be okay after he died. One day he called his son to his room and said, Son, you're no longer a kid anymore. You must learn to take responsibility and understand what life is about. I want you to find the real meaning and purpose of your life. And when you find it, never forget it, for it will lead you to a life full of happiness and joy. Then he handed his son a bag. His son opened the bag where there were four pair of clothes, one for each season, some money, some food. And his father said to him, I want you to go find a treasure. I've drawn a map where the treasure is hidden. You need to go and find it. The son loved the idea. So the next day he took those things his father gave him and traveled all over the place, following the map through mountains and valleys to find this treasure. Days turned into weeks, weeks, months. He was helped along the way with some food by people he met. He also came across robbers who tried to rob him. Finally, after a long year, he reached his destination. It was on a cliff, 
The map showed the treasure being buried below the cliff under a tree. So the man began to dig and dig, but he found nothing. He spent two days digging for treasure, and by the third day he was so exhausted he decided there was no treasure there to be found and left. Disappointed over his father's lie to him, he headed back home. On the way back, he experiencing, experienced the same landscapes and seasons, but he enjoyed this time the beautiful flowers in the spring, the dancing birds in a monsoon, stayed in places just to watch the sunset and enjoy a summer evening. He met the same people who had helped him on his way there. This time he stayed a few days with them, helped them out to repay them, and realized how nice it was to have people who would help him. When he reached home, he'd realized that he'd been gone for two years. He went into his father's room and said, Father? The father immediately jumped to his feet and hugged his son. So how was your journey, my son? Did you find the treasure, he asked. The journey was fascinating, father. But forgive me, for I wasn't able to find the treasure. Maybe somebody took it. There wasn't any treasure, his father said, in the first place. So why did you send me, the son asked, to find it? I will surely tell you why, but first you tell me. How was your journey to the place? Did you enjoy it? Of course not, father. I had no time. I was worried someone else would find the treasure. Before I did, I hurried to get to that cliff as fast as I could. But on the way back, I really did enjoy the journey. I made friends, witnessed miracles every day. I learned some different skills and how to survive in the woods. There was so much I learned, it made me forget the pain of not finding the treasure. The father said to him, Exactly, my son. I want you to lead your life with a purpose. But if you re remain too focused on the goal, then you will miss out the real treasures of life. The treasures of life are in serving God, in doing His will, in serving one another, to live a life of love and joy. These are the real treasures of life that I hope will be with you always. In our first reading for this 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, we hear from the Book of Wisdom. And we hear the Lord saying, who can know God's counsel? Who can really understand what the Lord intends? Understand his mind, that we human beings are unable to comprehend how God thinks and how God is. And in the gospel, we hear Jesus' call to discipleship, to follow the Lord. And he tells his listeners something very hard for them to hear. He tells them that they must hate their father, their mother. They must basically renounce all their possessions. That is the price of discipleship. So what is Christ saying to us, as he said to his apostles 2,000 years ago? I think he is challenging us not to hate our families, no, but to make the purpose and center of our life one thing, God. Jesus is telling us that no person, no thing, no possession, nothing can fill our lives and be the center of our lives and help us to follow the Lord and to truly be his disciple and to follow him, God willing, into the kingdom of heaven. That for that to happen, God and God alone must be the center of our life. 
what we are truly and really attached to. So the question I think we are called to contemplate is, is that true for us? Is God at the center of our lives? Or are we attached to things other than God? I think if we're honest with ourselves, at least when I thought about this, I am, we are, attached to things other than God. That God is often not the center of our lives. So what's, what are we attached to so tightly? Well, I think we're first attached to ourselves, that we become, if we're not careful, the center of our own world. Our wants, our needs, our opinions, our way of seeing things become the only reality that we see in the world. And we become attached to our point of view. We need to be right. We want to be the person that we choose to be. It's all about us. And when we live our lives attached to our ego, our needs, our wants, God is not there at the center. We are. We become our own God, small g. Sometimes other people are at the center of our lives. I think that's what Jesus was saying about hating your mother and father. We are to love the people that we care for in our lives, but they are not to be the center of our lives. Sometimes we hear that someone who loses a spouse or a close family member says there's no point in going on living. Well, Christ would say, of course there is. If God is at the center of our lives, we are here to love and serve him. Sure, we miss the people that are no longer in our lives that we love, but they are not to be what our life is simply about. Our life ultimately is about attaching ourselves ultimately to God. And then the third thing I think that gets in the way besides ourselves and others is the world itself. The culture that we are inundated with, that surrounds us, that in, that really inundates us with sights, sounds, everything to take our attention away from God. We become distracted. We become preoccupied. We become, at times, obsessed with things of the world, so much so that that becomes what our life is about. And our world, sort of like the movie The Matrix, is all we see, even though we know in our hearts that's not all there is. For us to be disciples of the Lord, as Christ is challenging us and calling us to be, means, as I said, putting God at the center of our lives. So where does that begin? How do we do that? It starts with a willingness and an invitation to have God come into our lives. God will not enter if we do not let him. So if we spend each day, the beginning of each day, saying, Lord, come into my life. Be the center of my life. Help me to attach my life primarily, solely to you. That's a good start. We can spend each day after we ask God for the gift of him being the center of our lives, asking the Lord, what do you want me to do today? How can I serve you today? What is your will for me today? Who can I help or serve today? Help me to see you throughout my day. And when we ask God for this and we spend time each day trying to do 
God's will, looking to do God's will, asking God to do his will. We are well on our way to helping God within us become more and more the center of our lives. I would recommend to you, as I've begun doing each day at the end of your day, to do an examination of conscience, otherwise known as the examine. Now, the examine was really promulgated in popularity by one of my favorite saints, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founding of the Society of the founder of the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, who said that each day at the end of the day, and it can be done a number of different ways, we should do the following steps to look at how we lived our faith and where God was and is God at the center of our lives each day. So step one is to think about during the course of a day, as you're getting ready for bed, what the blessings were of that day, how God manifested himself in your life. What, what went really well? What felt really good? So start there. Then to examine your day, sort of like a movie, starting with when you got up, what happened in the morning, how'd that go, what went well, what didn't go well, afternoon, evening, etc. And review your day to see where God is and how you were and how we behaved during the course of the day. Then after we do that, to think about what sins did we commit that day, either by omission or commission. And as we reflect on our sins, the, fourth, the next step is to ask God to forgive our sins. And finally, at the end of that, to think about the next day and asking God's grace to do better, to continue to grow in holiness with God at the center of our lives. My brothers and sisters, our journey on earth is a finite one. We are called, while we're here, to be Christ's disciples. To be his disciples means allowing Christ in working with Christ to have him become the center of our lives. Not that we can't love people, because we're here to do that. Not that we can't enjoy our possessions. That's fine. But none of those things are to become what our lives are about. They are not to be the center of our lives. For it is only by Christ being the center of our lives, our learning to be detached from ourselves, others, and things of the world, that we can truly be his disciples. Now let us listen to Joseph and Sarah Tracy sing that Catholic classic, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Oh, ye who hear now to his temple. 
Catholics in the news. There are bishops who may or may not feel that social media is a way to communicate. But then there's the Amigo de Frodo, who provides daily gospel verses, bits of art and literature, and maybe even a Lord of the Rings quote or two at a confirmation. Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville, Texas, is that bishop. As a bishop, he said, I think Twitter, you shouldn't take yourself too seriously, who tweets under the handle at BP Flores. It can be, he said, but a humanizing platform. And I think the challenge, Bishop Flores says, just for Catholics, that Twitter in general is a place where people can use their imagination, have a sense of humor, and talk about how things can be. One thing that can be seen on the bishop's account every day is a gospel verse from that day's reading and a brief reflection in both Spanish and English. I do think fundamentally for the Catholic Church, before we can tackle the problems and the issues, if we aren't fundamentally reading the gospel every day and letting that inform how it is that we think and how it is that we see the world, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in terms of being a people who are able to look at the world through the eyes of the gospel, instead of judging the gospel through the eyes of the world, said Bishop Flores. So it's just my way of saying, hey folks, we all need to be reading the gospel, and then we can deal with reality. 
Bishop Flores is one of the, quote, border bishops, unquote, whose diocese has for years been at the center of the rise in migrant children and women coming into the United States seeking asylum. To ignore these problems, he said, in the plight of migrants as a country, quote, we will simply just kind of shrivel in terms of our own human awareness of the basic commonality we have as human beings, unquote. Bishop Daniel Flores, using social media to spread the gospel and tell the truth of Jesus Christ. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media the divine plan, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the dramatic end to the Cold War by Paul Kinger and Robert Orlando is a new book highlighting the collaboration and relationship of this Pope and U.S. President. We believe as Catholics that God has a plan for our lives. The authors believe that God is also the Lord of history, not just in biblical times, but also today. Kinger and Orlando tell the story of three men. St. John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and Mikhail Gorbachev, that from their perspective helped change the history of what was then the Soviet Union. They observed that Carol Wotiwa, President Reagan, who were both actors who rose to the highest positions in church and state, both believed in God and in God's providence. They both survived an assassination attempt six weeks apart. And they felt that Mikhail Gorbachev was sent providentially to help them work with the Soviet Union to help end the scourge of communism. Kingler and Orlando do not claim that God had a necessary plan for this, but that Reagan and Motiwa may have basically been actors on what is called the theodrama, the choice of God, the play of God. The book is divided into five acts, tracing the idea of our lives as a drama that prepared these th two thespians. They arrive at the zenith of their career, almost assassinated, and the interpretations they drew from their experience, their collaboration primarily over Poland, in an effort to slay the red dragon of communism, and the conclusion that ended up with Europe being a free quote-unquote, country, and Russia no longer being communist. Cameron Orlando see the collaboration of John Paul and Ronald Reagan as more than just a political advantage. It is a vision of both men's idea that people have human dignity and freedom must be worked for in both religion and politics. A fascinating read, this book gives a clear vision of how these two men worked through the grace of God to change the world. The Divine Plan, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the Dramatic End of the Cold War by Paul Kengor and Robert Orlando, telling us the truth about how a Pope and President worked together to end atheistic communism in Russia. This week's Truth in the Media. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi 
recently insisted that all adopted children would be better off served had their mother chosen to abort them. During a recent CNN town hall event, Pelosi told a college student, a young woman whose mother had given her up for adoption rather than murdering her in utero, that she and her mother would have been better off had she been aborted before being born. So let me get this straight. Speaker Pelosi tells a woman at an open town hall who had been adopted instead of aborted that she would have been better off if she had been killed in the womb? Are you kidding me? What is Nancy Pelosi smoking? Is she out of her mind? I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Pope Francis recently told journalists that their profession has a great responsibility, the foundation of which should be humility. Humility is an essential virtue for spiritual life, the Holy Father goes to tell journalists, but I would say that it can be a fundamental element of your profession. He affirmed that there are other important qualities of a journalist, such as professionalism, writing skill, and ability to investigate and ask the right questions, but added that still, humility can be a cornerstone of your activity. Yours is an indispensable role, the Holy Father goes on to say, and this also gives you a great responsibility. It asks you, in particular, to care for the words that you use in your articles, for the images you transmit in your services, for everything you share on social media. Pope Francis added that humble journalists does not mean mediocre journalists, but rather aware that through an article, a tweet, a live television or radio program, you can do good, but also, if you're not careful and scrupulous, evil to others and sometimes to entire communities. The Pope acknowledged how difficult and how much humility the search for truth requires, saying, I therefore urge you to work according to truth and justice, so that communication is really a tool to build, not to destroy. Pope Francis, Pope Francis also gave advice on the importance of humility, showing in what ways it helps the journalist do his or her job better. For example, if a mistake is made, it should be rectified in a timely way so that others are not hurt. Humility, Pope Francis goes on to say, helps journalists not to be slaves to haste, but to take the time necessary to get it right. Another quality of a humble journalist seeks to know all the facts before relating them and making sure that they've done everything possible to tell the truth. He also quoted Pope St. John Paul II in meeting with the same association of journalists when he said, The church is on your side. Be Christian or not, in the church you will always find the right esteem for your work in the recognition of freedom of the press. Pope Francis, telling the truth regarding the importance of humility in journalism, our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have finished episode 186 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. It was a bit of a journey for me and a challenge. It took hours to record it due to technical difficulties, so I'm sorry for that as far as how they came out on the podcast. I'll work on it. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, please email me at deaconstevew at gmail.com or simply say hello or tell me how you're doing. Let us pray. 
Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.